Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back in the boot camp. I hope you're ready for the next episode. We have brought back to continue the conversation on bivocational ministry, Pastor Matt McNaughton, the resident church planter, not replanter of the Replant Bootcamp podcast and the Replant team. But he is joined today by his comrade in arms, his co-worker in the field of bivocational ministry, research, listening to the field and trying to serve Bible guys, one of our good friends, Pastor Pugh, Pastor Colin. Pugh is the Urban Renewal Specialist on the Replant team at NAM. So, Colin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jimbo and Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It is doing great. good to be on here with both of you guys. Amen to that. Colin, tell us just a little bit about yourself real quick. So I'm Colin Pugh. I am a revitalizer in the D.C. area at Clinton Baptist Church, and I also started as a bivocational pastor. I got a unique story. I was full-time youth pastor, but a part-time senior pastor, and getting paid by my home church, who I was also the youth pastor at. Yeah, that's, I mean, interestingly enough, that is not the first time I've heard of a scenario like that, but there hasn't been many. And so that is a unique version of bivocational. Now you're bivocational, working with the replant team and, and pastoring Clinton Baptist. But talk to us about how you managed I mean, when you when you're trying to pastor at two churches, I mean, the expectations from both have got to be pretty high. And so, how did you keep yourself grounded in in what we would call uh, pastoral grit? Right, like yes. when it's hard, and not just hard because of conflict, but hard because it's just a lot of work sometimes. How how do you how did you stay energized? I mean, you're one of the more energetic people I've ever met. <laughs> so your your energy reserves are higher than most. But how did you keep your energy high to be able to serve at both churches? I found out early maintaining my relationship with God was important. That was, that spiritual appetite was was essential at this time because at my home church where I was a youth pastor at, I had a large youth ministry and was responsible for a lot of things. My pastor also wanted the work done for the church, but also had to come over here and be the senior pastor for this church. So my maintaining my relationship with God and the appetite for a, a spiritual relationship was very important and key to this bivocational pastorship that I had. So what what were some ways that you maintained your spiritual appetite without a whole lot of time to spare? Okay, so Jude verses 20 through 21 was my key verses. That was the key. That was the center of my maintaining my relationship in my pastoral, I mean, my bivocational work. It was the crust of everything. It was the nucleus. It was the middle of everything. Everything surrounded around that to uphold me, to keep me, and to stir me in a path that I may be successful in both because my relationship was important with God outside of everything. Hmm. I think it is key. I mean, I think it's key to any pastoral role, but man, you got to be real careful when you are bivocational because there's, we've talked about before, there really is no such thing as part-time ministry. No. And so the expectations are high. And if we're not careful, we end up doing ministry out of our own strength and and drawn from our own well, instead of out of the overflow of the, our walk with the Lord. 
Matt, how, how have you maintained uh, an effort to minister out of your overflow? So it's, it was realizing for me that my role as a pastor is not all on my shoulders. Hmm. That learning mm. that Christ loves this church more than I do. Yes. And I'm free to shepherd throughout the week and making sure I've got the, the time and energy, but just really letting go of the the pressure, the unachievable expectations that I had placed in my own life as a pastor and just saying, Lord, you, you promised to build your church and I'm going to faithfully shepherd the people that you have placed in this church. And knowing that if, if I'm not spending my time with my shepherd, my good shepherd, then I will never be a healthy shepherd to the people of our church. Mm. So there was a, a lot of just placing my life in the hands of Jesus and realizing who I am just as a human, a mere human, and not the good shepherd mm. helps, me, helps me pastor and shepherd them out of just a joyful heart. And even when I'm tired and worn out, I'm looking to Jesus as my example and placing my hope in him. Here's a question that I didn't prepare you guys for. All right. But it just occurred to me because I got actually I got, I got a text from a pastor about this today. In the midst of the busyness of ministry and even especially sometimes the difficulties when they were going through trying seasons, how have you what have you found has worked best for you to serve your wife well? and make sure she stays encouraged and make sure she has enough gas on her tank spiritually, emotionally, relationally, as, as you're working with very little margin of time. And, and, and to be honest, sometimes very little margin emotionally, relationally. I mean, it's when, you know, when you're working by vocationally and you're, you kind of feel spent and sometimes you end up with not enough left whenever you get home. And so what have been some things that have been helpful for you to love and serve and support and encourage your wives well in those times? So for me, um, again, this Jude chapter 1, 20 and 21 was very important in everything because I looked at it at maintaining my relationship. And here's some steps. It says in 20, and 20, and this is so great, Jimbo and Matt, it says, uh, beloved, build yourself up on the most holy faith. That means I have to be intentional about growing in my relationship with God. I got to build myself. And that's the same thing with marriage. I got to be intentional with having a relationship with God. I mean, with my wife as well, as we grow together. So that means if I can only give her 30 minutes a day, then I'm going to make it the best 30 minutes that she ever had in her life. Mm. And then it says from there, not only to build yourself up and in your um, faith, but it say pray in the Holy Spirit. And it, it tells me that I got to have constant communication with God and with her. Mm. We got to we got to constantly communicate. And this communication is not about marriage duties or marriage work as in bills and children. It's about what do you expire? What what do you like? What what would you like love as a great date or a great vacation? Mm. And then it says that keep yourself in the love of God. It's times where where things have caused us to to not love God anymore. 
because of the difficult times. But we have to do things to keep ourselves in love with God and also keep our keep ourselves in love with our wives. Mm. So how do we do that? We do that by communicating, by praying, and also spending quality time with them. So my wife and I, what we said was every first Friday, we're going to go on a date. And this is different than any other date. This was a planned date that we had together. And it's not talking about the children, ministry, her, her work. It's just me and her enjoying ourselves as a couple that we may continue to be successful. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's a difficult balance, but it's really joyful when Julie and I, we it's just a great relationship. Like We spend a lot of time together because as a, my office is at my house. Kids are homeschooled, so we see each other a lot. But just because we see each other doesn't mean we're navigating those. It's not quality time. So about two years ago, three years ago, I'm not sure when, we began meeting weekly on Sunday nights, put the kids to bed, and we would have a weekly meeting. And we would go through everything, like what's on my calendar, what's on her calendar, anything we need to talk about that we haven't had a chance to talk about. Do we have any conflict? Uh, between us, which has been great because there's a lot of times where I've something's happened and I'm like, would I bring this up in the Sunday night meeting? Mm. And if I wouldn't, then I'm like, well, it's not that big of a big of a deal. So navigating just that way throughout the week, there's no surprises. And then making sure we have time for one another because there's there's we're not in the stage where we can do a set date night. Every week looks different with little kids and their sports. And I say little, they're not little anymore, but managing all of that. So we incorporated that. And then I work really hard to when I walk out of my office or I'm coming home at the end of the day to leave it, my time the rest of the night is with my family as best as I can. Um, Andy Addis has a great book called Rhythms that yeah. also helps like, hey, if I, if I know I have a, an evening event at the church where I'm I'm with some guys and we've got discipleship group or our residency, then I want to maybe go in a little later in the morning, cook breakfast, do pancakes, spend some time, maybe watch a little bit of TV before they even kick off school or help just set the day. So knowing that I don't have to give my full day to work, that I can, with just great flexibility, just plan my day to where I'm not neglecting my family. Hmm. So being intentional, back to what Colin said, is I've got to be intentional and then I have to fight to be intentional because yes. if I'm not fighting, then it's easy to say, oh, ne- next week we can do this. Or it's no big deal if I just, mm. hey guys, dinner was great. I've got to go back in there and do this project because that project can wait till tomorrow or that thing can wait till tomorrow. It, no, there's nothing urgent enough to has to deal with in the moment. So, and that even means like in the in the car, where it's so easy to be like, I got, I got some phone calls I can knock out the car. It's me and the family. We're chatting, just really protecting that time when we're together, unless it's an emergency, a pastoral crisis or whatever the case is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I believe, I believe too, that your marriage is your first ministry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we, we have to see that as an important part and believe that, that is maybe me, but I believe if we fell in our marriage, we fail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And God, God gave me his daughter to be her husband. And I'm grateful for that. And I, I want our marriage to last. Yeah. yeah. So I, I had to put her first and I, I made sure that my surrounding group know that as well too, as she's first. Mm. Yeah. There, there was 
a, and I'll probably get to it a little bit. Uh, Jordan Rayner's book, Redeeming Your Time, talks about call, talks about your callings, and it helped knowing that my family is a priority. And given the amount of responsibility that I have as a pastor, there are things that maybe I want to do that I have to say no to because my family is more important. Yeah. And some of those things, it's, it, I mean, I, this is just the stage of life I am. And, and it's not even like Julie, she probably encouraged me to go or do those things, but it, it's like, I can, and it's good to get away at times. But when I'm looking at my schedule, I'm going to make sure I don't, if I don't have to do this thing, that I'm going to be with my family hmm. as much as I can. Hey, hey Jimbo, I, I, if I can throw this in, a, a older preacher told me when I came into the revitalization here at Clinton Baptist Church, he said, Pastor Pugh, make sure you never have adultery with another man's wife. And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? And he says, a lot of pastors have adultery with the church and the church is God's wife. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a real temptation. I mean, as, as men, we tie so much of our identity up in our vocation, our ability to produce, our ability to be good at what we do. And then you add, you know, the weight of pastoral ministry to it. And so it significantly feels, you know, more eternally significant and important. And so it makes it even easier for us to justify like, oh, this this is the most important thing about me about my identity is that I'm good at what I do. And we can easily end up making the bride of Christ uh, our mistress. And we care more about serving there than we do serving at home. And I, I love that concept of marriage as our first ministry. Yeah, Practically in order to do that well, Matt, you alluded in the last episode about some some kind of practical ways to think through how to share the responsibility of ministry and how to make sure that it's not one tied to your own success like it, and, and and also not entirely on your shoulders break down some of that again for us a little bit yeah so when when we're looking at our callings and, uh, and I'm called to be a husband and a father called to pastor and then you have to throw in bivocational work in order to support your family then your time and your resources almost go out the window. So now you're balancing everything with church because it church ministry doesn't let up. Family ministry doesn't let up. And now you're having to find time to make extra money on the side or have a part-time job. So you're balancing all of this. So there's three things to, to look at as you're navigating all of it. And really, we see examples throughout Scripture Moses in the Old Testament and the New Testament, how Paul and the disciples, they, they never did anything alone. There was, there was teams, team planting, plurality of elders, all of which shows it's not on one person. So we're not able to bear this responsibility alone. So it's determining your priorities is, is one thing. If, if I'm looking at my responsibilities as a pastor, what are the most important things that I need to do in my week. And obviously that is writing a sermon and shepherding the people. So there are things that if it doesn't happen, the church is going to be okay. So there was some weeks where we'd, I just, I'm like, I can't get to that. It's okay if I didn't post that picture on Facebook. Ultimately it's fine. Or the website was just a little delayed in getting updated. Those are, those are priorities that need to be dealt with, but it, 
maybe can be postponed just a little bit down the road. And then developing leaders in order, because as your church grows, as you're shepherding people and responsibilities grow up, you have to develop leaders who can help carry responsibilities throughout your church. And it's a long runway. It's not something you should do overnight and just say, here, here's our entire kids ministry. It's yours because I just don't have the time to or capacity to do it. So you have to develop leaders who are, one, love Jesus, are equipped in order to handle those responsibilities and have some theological grounding as well, because it ultimately falls back on your shoulders too. If, if something as, as the leader, if, if they misstep or something, so you have to develop the leaders and that there's a long runway to that. They're, they're working full time. They only have so much time. So usually it's for us at Grace Life, I meet once a month with some guys that we're raising up to be leaders. Some of them are stepping into the roles, but we're talking about a, a year to 18 months of, hey, we just got to keep going. This is part of it. And giving them responsibility as we go and, and raising them up and then delegating responsibilities. There's a lot of things that's just easy for me to do, but th- someone else can probably do them better and probably put more passion into it than I can. And when we delegate wisely responsibilities within our church, it frees us to shepherd, to gives us more time for sermon prep and sermon calendar planning and meeting up with church members who need counseling or care. Or when you get that last minute phone call of a, of a crisis, you're not very like, what, how am I going to accomplish everything else? There's some, there's some margin in your life that you have to build in, but it, it doesn't happen over time. It's a, it's an intentional effort in order to get to a point where you can be healthy enough to care for your family, care for your church, and do what's necessary to accomplish both. I appreciate you talking about the importance of developing leaders and not just handing them huge responsibility. You know, it's where you what we call delegate and dump. Yeah. Where you, you just you just delegate and just dump all the stuff on them and you just walk away. Yeah. You know, the Bible talks about zeal without knowledge is, is not a good thing and that we shouldn't act hastily in that way. And so part of part of ministry is developing leaders. And and so it's one of those things that you've got to do a slow investment on and then you get the return later. Yeah. And sometimes you don't get the return. Yep. Sometimes you you invest the time in people and, you know, they leave or they end up not yep. painting out as as a leader. But it's it's always worth the investment. Colin, what has been the role of leadership development for you in learning and sharing your responsibilities and spreading the influence of the members and the leadership of the members at Clinton Baptist? I first started off with small groups. I think small groups play a great part in developing leaders and also knowing your people. So we started off with small groups and in that small groups, I had a chance to see the commitment of people through the work. We started off with Survival Kit and also uh, Blackaby Book Experience in God. We uh, went through as well and going through, we do it a little different um, with our leaders. We do it every Monday for six months and then we break out once a month for meetings. But that helps me to know how to identify leaders and their characteristics and things they can bring to the table, things, they strong points. So when I put them in leadership roles, I basically can know, have an idea Mm -hmm. of their characteristics and things like that. So that has been really helpful to me 
And then one-on-one meetings, one-on-one um, -on -one meetings. I know it's time consuming, but they are important so I can really get to know people outside. So I try to at least meet, if they in going to be in leadership, at least meet at least once one-on-one -on -one meetings at a lunch outside the church once a month and just to get to know them, invite them over and things like that, invite them out to eat so I can see the characteristics and really have an understanding of who they are. I know that's time consuming, but um, as a pastor, I think we have to spend time with people, valuable time with people as well. But I'm a little more touchy-feely than the other pastors in the perspective. I like relationships. A lot of pastors don't have time for it, and it's so many other people, but I, I like relationships, and I know how to manage a multitude of relationships at one time. So I've been blessed with that, but leader, developing leaders is the key, is important. We would not be where we are today without the development of leaders. It's impossible. And also, too, God had gave me the ability to trust people. Mm. Although I've been burnt a lot, I, I look at everyone's own situation and I trust people. And I and I also learned that, okay, they may not do it like I want it or mm -hmm. I think it should be done, but it is getting done in a way of excellence according to them and because they have a desire for it. Hmm. And what's really cool about us, about the leadership development, and you, you see it, how Paul wrote in his epistles, just a joy in watching people, other people, other brothers and sisters serve the body of Christ. Yes. And getting to play a role in their spiritual development and then watching them preach a sermon or lead a small group or take over uh, a ministry. Yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of joy. Mm. Yes. Uh, this past week, we had one of our leaders send out an email. They just CC'd me on the email to all their volunteers. And I'm, the joy of just watching people <laughs> use their, their giftings yeah. for the good of the church. I mean that that's what it well, that's what it's about and yeah. so it's it's a I mean yeah it helps me yes. with some margin in my own life yeah but at the same time this is the whole purpose of the church is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry so do it's, the work of the ministry yeah. it's a joy to watch them be used by the Lord yeah. yeah and get to play a small role in that is really really helps in that pastoral grit of you know this yeah. this and you also got it. Sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. You finish. You also got to show the appreciation of the small wins, too, when you develop and lead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you have that social media person that that remembers his teacher appreciation day and put a post on your social media site, mm -hmm. we just want to thank all the teachers. I'm like, wow. Like, I didn't even know it was yeah. teacher appreciation. <laughs> but <laughs> thank you. And then all the teachers calling like, thank you, Pastor Pew, for the comment. I'm like, what? Okay, great. You know, and so I called the social media team immediately and was like, hey, I got Panera cards for you. Yeah. You know, I got $5 Panera cards just to say thank you. Mm -hmm. You know, I wish I could buy you a whole meal, but I'm just want to say thank you. Yeah. It's a great, great opportunity to show our appreciation to them as you see them grow. That's good. Hey, one of the things we want to do is continue to learn more about how we can serve and support guys who are out there leading in bivocational ministry. And so you guys have put together a survey. We had it in the show notes last week. We'll have it in the show notes again this week. Just tell the listeners a little bit about this survey and why it would be valuable to them to take the time to fill it out. So as I mentioned last week or in the last episode, the 
bivocational ministry is not a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. So my situation is different than Colin's situation. And that's the case in a lot of areas and a lot of churches. That's the, the beauty of it. So in, we, we have a heart to help bivocational pastors, not just be healthy pastors, but to be healthy husbands, healthy fathers, and to see their churches and their families thrive for the glory of God. So we want to listen. And answering that survey helps us plan for the future and how we can help uh, bivocational pastors with maybe some just occasional times of prayer and encouragement, uh, cohorts, uh, developing resources. I know helpful resources for me, but that may be different for you. And we want to hear what those resources are. Would you be interested in a blog post every once in a while to help? Hey, we're thinking about this from a bivocational viewpoint. How, how, how could we approach this? And so we want to help and we want to listen. And we know that everybody's situation is unique and we want to do our best to help you shepherd the people that God's placed under your care where you are. Speaking of good resources for the next episode after this, we will have Andy Addis on to talk about his book, Rhythms, that you mentioned. And we will even, in the show notes of that episode, have a link for a free digital copy of the book for you. So good. So tune in again next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches, big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.